Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. So today we are joined by a, a very special guest, Mr. EXP UK himself, Adam Day. Um, how are you doing, Adam? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, I am brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks very much for obviously agreeing to come on, on our uh, podcast. Um, we really appreciate it. So it'd be interesting to get some uh, bit more of your background and uh, I suppose like where, where we think we're heading with, with EXP in the future and where we are at the moment. So Yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an open book. I'm a bit nervous though whenever I say that because um, <laughs> a lot of questions are coming at me. But um, but yeah, good, good to... Good to be here and good to have a chat with you guys. Yeah, but I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. I woke up this morning and I thought it is the, the myth that is Adam Day. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because we've Adam's been like this isn't some kind of thing we've we've talked about before, but been so supportive to everybody within the XP group and um, the amount of time that you you find to spend with a lot of the agents, considering how busy you are, it's it's, it's quite incredible, really. So, um, genuinely, thanks thanks for all your support. Because I know if I ever needed anything, whatever the time of day or night, um, I'd be able to message you, and you'd, you'd come back to me. And I think that's massive um, to have someone at the top. And you don't seem to have lost any energy, Christ knows how, but you're still working probably at Mark's level. So I need to figure out what you guys are doing um, on a daily basis to keep to keep blasting away like you do. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, one of the things that Glenn, oh, it's two, there's two reasons. Glenn Sanford, who's the founder of EXP, is super accessible, like ridiculously accessible. I, I, I messaged him on, I messaged him on Wednesday night, actually, funnily enough, and uh, made a suggestion about something that I'm, I'm not allowed to talk about right now. But, um, and he came back to me last night, overnight, literally overnight last night, Sunday night. You know, I was obviously, I woke up to it. He's eight hours behind or whatever he is. So he picked it up. It took him three or four days to pick it up. But this is a guy who, who runs and is the CEO and owns the vast majority of EXP World Holdings, which has like nearly 90,000 agents and in 24 markets globally. And and yet he still finds the time to send me a quick message to answer my question and suggestion. And, and it comes from that really. And I think but it's also having a brilliant team as well. Um, you know, the, the guys that work behind the scenes, you know them, you know, the likes of Tori and Lauren Olivia's on maternity leave and Paul and, and everybody else there. They take a lot of that. You know the the back office stuff away from me, which allows me to then focus on how do I help the agents and when the agents need help. And the other thing as well, Andrew, and for Mark, both of you, Mark and Andrew, the, the the help and support probably is this stuff you need in the early days. Once you're up and running and you're rolling, that help and support. I mean, the last time we spoke, Andrew, is probably what three months ago. Um, but that's not to say that I'm not there. If you send me a voice note, I'll voice note you back. But that's because it's I'm getting one one message from you every three times a year maybe um so i think it, i think the empowerment of agents to the fact i've got a brilliant team behind me and that sort of that accessibility uh trickle down from glenn has been really really important as well uh, that kind of brings me on to something i think it's really important um as you know uh, i was at global books for four years i was a territory owner it was quite evident after maybe 18 months that it wasn't maybe a happy shift um, it staggers me how we've got such a happy ship um, at EXP. Um, obviously, there'll be there'll be the odd one or two, but I mean, the Glassdoor um, reviews and everything. And it's what do you think the secrets are? I mean, it's not anything hidden, but why do you think it's such a happy place to to work? 
uh, I think I think it's that empowerment thing. I mean, I, you know, I say this to people. I'm a rubbish manager. I'm absolutely terrible at managing people. Um, it's probably why I got the gig because they don't want a good manager looking up this and and sort of running this show as it were. Um, because you need someone who can let people get on with it and just empower them to go on and, and do their jobs. Um, and of course, there's unhappy people, and you know, I get I get my fair share of moans and groans about you know decisions made or or you know people thinking that they they should get more from exp you know one of the common things is oh well, i didn't get any leads from exp and i say well we never promised you any leads that's not that's not what exp is about that's you know the different fundamental difference between us and purple bricks for example back in the day was that purple bricks fed you leads but then they took 70% of the commission you know our model is we don't give you any leads and you get 70% of the commission it's a it's a complete flip around and um but yeah no we have a generally i think it's that empowerment i think adults being treated like adults um, and yes, of course, there's a few things that we have to mandate here and there, and they're probably the prickly things that people get, you know, annoyed about. Um, but by and large, you know, we don't ask for pledges, we don't set targets, we don't have to come to meetings. Um, there's there's nothing, nothing, nothing like that, and there never will be either. By the way, you know, that's that's a very American thing. You know, people say, people say to me, "Well, this will turn into purple bricks, and you'll start managing everybody." No, we will that will never, ever, 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 ever happen. Whilst the Americans are, are are running the show, and they'll always run the show because that is how the Americans work. They don't work by managing people; they work by empowering people, um, and that's probably the biggest one of the things learned over the last four or five years. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because we're all we're all kind of free to run our own businesses with uh, with support, and I think it's the support that kind of that is one of the big parts that keeps it that like kind of happy place that you, you know that you're you're part of like a something bigger than yourself and something where we're all kind of striving towards the the same kind of goals ultimately. Um, so I don't, a lot of people probably know your journey, Adam. But when did you first get into a state agency? Nineteen ninety-seven. So I was working in a call centre type data inputting place. Um, in Hitchin, Central University, um, just pl- plugging in numbers. I've been doing that for about a year and a half from school. I was academically, I wasn't very good. Oh, no, I didn't apply myself with my common report or my school report. Was didn't apply myself. I was always sitting at the back. You know, I was the I wasn't the joker at all. I was the laugher. I was the one that laughed at all the jokers, and uh, I didn't. I wasn't the joker. I wasn't particularly naughty, but I just laughed at all the jokers and then got in trouble for laughing at the jokers and encouraging them to be jokers um so uh so yeah did that for about a year and a half from school and then thought i've got to change this i can't i can't sit data inputting for the rest of my life um saw a little job in the advert in the newspaper advert god newspaper advert imagine that back in 1997 and um i'd broken my foot actually on holiday um and i'd been flown home because i'd have an emergency operation on my fourth and fifth metatarsals and um, I was in the hospital bed and I saw this newspaper um, job advert for an estate agent, a junior estate agent, I think the title was. Um, so I hobbled in there, got out of hospital and I hobbled in there in the office the day after the closing date for the job advert. And there was a lady at the front desk called Sally who I ended up working with for nine years and still know now to this day. And I said, look, I know the job advert's gone, but is there any way I can get into you? She said, no, not really. And I, I started winging it and I started tap dancing, as my old boss Paul used to call it, tap dancing. And I think that was probably the fact I managed to get them to convince me to have an interview. It probably got me the job. 
because I was able to convince her to accept me for an interview, even though the deadline had passed. So, um, yeah, that was 11th of August 1997. I started in that in my first agency role. When you when you first started out, did you did you always envis- envisage having your own business, or did that kind of come later on once you kind of got into it? Yeah, always my own business. I mean, I had businesses from when I was 12, 13. I used to sell cans of Coke at the school, you know, for a markup. I used to buy them in bulk and then sell them for 50p a can or a pound a can, whatever it was, I can't remember now. Um, I had car washing businesses, lawn mowing businesses up and down my street. You know, that's when I was 13, 14. So I always had that entrepreneurial sort of spirit, I suppose, and always wanted to have my own business, which is why I wasn't bothered about school. I wasn't, I, I knew that I could make it whatever making it means you know if you worked hard and had a business um and again i, I guess that literally the day i got into a state agency i thought this i can make a business out of this i could i can do this i can have a business there's no qualifications needed i don't need a phd or a degree i just have to work bloody hard and i'll be all right um so that was always my yeah i've always had that in me of building businesses and entrepreneurial spirit spirit from a very young age yeah Brilliant. I think a lot of people that end up with businesses, they always have that kind of drive and things. So I used to do some simulation, cook grass for people in the neighbourhood. Um, I suppose that's maybe a positive thing for my youngest son who sells sweets and stuff like that at school at the minute. So big future coming for you. Well, yeah, but it's funny enough, funny, funny to say that. My competitor at school was a guy called Andrew Fotiardis. He won't mind me mentioning this. And he used to sell refresher bars. So I used to sell cans of Coke. He would sell refresher bars. And if he started veering into the fizzy drinks you know, market, I would lose my head. And, um, and vice versa. But Andrew Fotiardis played for Luton Town Football Club for many years. And so he made a lot of money in that time, even though they were lower division t- side at the time. Um, and uh, he retired when he was about 31, 32. He went to Peterborough and he went to Haybury Swifts. He had lots of injuries. He's a good mate of mine still. And, uh, but he hasn't worked a day in his life since the age of 32. So he worked hard at selling refresher bars when he was 14 and 15. And he hasn't worked for the last 15 years, I don't think. So uh, <laughs> he's, he's a bit of a contrast there. I wish I'd got yeah. One thing I wanted to kind of mention, because it's, it's time goes so quickly. And I can remember Mark speaking to me. We were both at Purple Bricks. And Mark said to me, um, this God knows what, it must have been about, 2019 he said i've been speaking to this guy called adam day about this exp model um and i'm thinking who's this adam day guy you know i've never heard of him because it was all bruce brothers wear purple woo, woo. um anyway mark mentioned it. we lost him we lost you andrew yeah it's disappeared can it we can... Oh, there. yeah you, you, you went silent then um so yeah, fast. I don't know where we got to, but fast, fast forward, sort of twelve months, and we're now we were like a hundred agents in. I think we're now what are we at Adam about five hundred or yeah, five hundred and something. Yeah, just over five hundred. How far do you think we can go with with agents? Realistically, do you have like a realistic top yeah. nine figure? I mean, we don't know how many agents there are in the UK. If you're basing it on agents, then you know. We think there's forty to sixty thousand agents in the UK. We don't know because there's no no licensing. Um, you know, Glenn and myself have spoken and said, you know, can we get the ten percent market share? I think the answer is yes. Um, you know, and ten percent market share. And this is the thing: is right in America, they market share is based on agent numbers. Um, 
So that would be, 50, let's say, 5,000 agents, 50,000 agents, 5,000 agents at EXP. Um, our market share is based on instructions and sales. That's typically how we monitor and measure our market share. So, you know, to get 10% market share of instructions and sales would be a big number. Um, but, yeah, I think it's definitely possible. You know, I think 5,000 agents is, is achievable. Um, I'm, I'm cautious of making predictions because I used to make predictions when I'm in my old business and used to have you know, egg on my face <laughs> two or three years down the line. So, um, yeah, look, you know, we're just trying to grow a business and it's, there, there isn't any targets. This is what the, the wonderful thing about the Americans is as long as you're doing your job and as long as you're growing and as long as they can see the agents are being supported, then they're kind of, they're not saying to me, you must have X amount of agents by a certain period of time. They're saying, you know, what's best for the agent? How can we best support the agent? And, and if we if we are the model that best supports the agent, then more agents will join. Um, it's as simple as that. So there is no real sort of hard and fast target. It was more of a discussion of where do we think we can get to? Can we get to 10%? Yes, I think we can. Whether we will or not, another matter. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're, where our sort of, you know, vision lies, I suppose. Mark, just a quick question to you. Um, yeah. So you are... I'm in a steamed company today, I must admit. I'm almost the uh, the bottom of the food chain. But um, I just wanted to ask you why, considering probably what your turnover is, um, why you haven't decided to go on your own um, and just say, forget it. I don't want anybody taking sort of 30% when the transaction's complete. I just want to go on my own. So what's convinced you or not even convinced you why have you decided to stay within the sort of the exp group what's the what's the thought process around that so interestingly me and adam were talking about this while we're while we're waiting for you um and i i, I had people asking me that quite quite a bit well why don't i just go off on my own because it potentially could be cheaper but I think with EXP, it's the, one of the big benefits is cash flow. So I don't have to have loads of money in the bank to, to worry about all the um, the high overheads with the portals and, and all that stuff. So if, if I suddenly went quiet, I mean, I, I've got staff to pay now. So obviously my overhead's a bit higher than some people's. But ultimately, I don't need to have loads of money in the bank if I went through like a quiet spell or if I decided to take like an extended break off. But ultimately, I think it comes down to a few things. So... Obviously, overheads are low, but because with being an icon agent, so t today I've got one completion due today, and that that will tip me over um, to be icon agent for the third year running. And I tried to do it last month, so I completed it in January. But the bonus of being an icon agent, I get like sixteen thousand pound worth of shares. Um, so if you then factor that sixteen grand coming back to me, I don't think I would be, be better off. Um, but then I've also got the, the option of um, like the agent attraction and supporting other agents to, to create. I, I've got to go on now because we're at the level that we are is to try and help as many agents to earn 100 grand a year as possible and create successful businesses. And in doing that, then obviously that, um, that boosts kind of our business as well. So there's different, it's not just about selling houses. There's, there's the other, obviously, avenues of... Uh, of revenue kind of income um, and I like the support I like the fact that it's not just me on my own um, I've, I've, I'm part of something that, that's kind of bigger than me and although I don't need day-to-day -day support and I like I phone you and quite often and half the time it's just to have a crack and it's so that you've got somebody that you're working alongside I know like I'll send Adam 
um, like Vodsnor said every so often, um, just with advice on different things. And I like that that support, even at, at the level that, that I'm at. So, yeah, I, w- I would never leave because I think there's far too much, many benefits of being part of EXP than, than not. I think the power. I think the power of the network is. I said I've learned. There was one of the biggest learnings was whatever I said a minute ago. But the biggest learning, without a doubt, is the power of the network. I've I never, never thought that was a thing five years, four, five years ago when I took this first took this on. I never, never factored in that. You know, Mark's got a strong relationship with you, and then, you know, obviously me and you, Andrew, haven't spoken for a while. Not because we've fallen out, but just because we don't need to. But then, if you need to drop in, you can, and, and then you've got a little support network in your area as well in the northwest of england that's really important and we, you know we've got guys in we've got seven or eight agents in watford who will meet up for breakfast once a week and you know all of a sudden if you leave exp then do you leave that do you leave that behind that power of the network is is, is huge and I, I do think i think what mark summed it up as well is you want to feel part of something bigger than that you know um it, it's yeah feeling part i think humans want to feel part of something and I think if you're on your own, on your own, then you're you are not part of something bigger. You are you are on your own. I get that. And there's a there's a there's a there's a benefit to that, I suppose, egotistically. But um, being part of something bigger and a bigger movement and a bigger change in the industry that we're seeing, and not just in the UK, but in the US. This is changing the industry in the US. This is not not like a, a, a only in the UK. This is changing the industry. So being being part of a, a revolution in a state agency, which I genuinely think it is, is a much bigger thing and um you know one of the reasons i think people just generally don't leave mm-hmm. i'd like to just pick up on one point yeah Haley, um putting you on the spot here adam Haley gardner sent me something over was it rate my agent or something like that apparently well this was just a screenshot don't ask me to try and share it but apparently exp northwest are, um top of the exp kind of sales i don't know it was some sort of criteria that apparently the northwest team is the strongest team so i'd like you i'd like you to just say that yes we are and also <laughs> to expand on on what uh, um how it's all down to me and mark um but yeah really really did send me that um did anyway you know nothing about it yeah no i've not seen that send it over um I will. Yeah, I've, I've always been um cautious of because again, you don't want to turn into that corporate where you where you sort of pitch the northwest against the northeast and the northeast against the midlands and that kind of thing. So um, I've been very wary of looking at regional because I've had this. I've had a few people saying, "Oh, who's which is the best performing region and who's who are the best performing agents?" And I know we have those individual sort of pipelines that we post on Workplace, but I, it, how close do you get to that sort of corporate world of pitching one area against another? Um, because it has been asked to me before, um, not by you, Andrew. I don't think <laughs> um, probably <laughs> someone else in the northwest, because you probably are right up there in the best region. But, but it's just that balance of not being too corporate and, and trying to stay that sort of you know let everyone get on with it. And and again, the beauty of it is is that Mark's just said it. If he wants to take off an extended holiday, he can do, and that's going to affect the northwest. But do I care? No, I don't, because it's that I, I'd rather Mark was successful in in his own life about taking that time off than, than pitching him against, you know, someone in the Southwest, for example. So, um, so yeah, I, it may well be the case, but I haven't looked at the figures at all, Andrew, but I'll, I'll let you have it. To send it over. I need to send it over to you for some, yeah, over, yeah. some easy, easy reading. But yeah, it's been, um, it, it's, it's quite incredible, actually. Just 
across the globe, I don't know how much you were able to say what your knowledge is around this. The, the, the US seem to like go from zero agents to like something ridiculous. I mean, what is there 70,000 now in the, in the US? Is, is that, has the growth slowed down in the US? Is it what other countries are really starting to come through? Because I'm, look, I don't look too deeply into it, but I'm figuring the UK is probably one of the biggest drivers at the moment. Um, but it's quite funny because we were always told that British people, English people, Scottish people, whatever, Welsh people, didn't have that entrepreneurial drive. Well, I'm telling you what, what I see these pipelines being posted and the people in the UK are absolutely getting after this. I'm telling you in a massive way. It's almost like the shackles are off. We want to do really well. We want to create our own businesses. We want to make some money. And the entrepreneurial spirit in this country is very, very high, provided people are given the model that allows them to be entrepreneurial, which EXP does. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think the um, I mean I think you know I said I just said that we don't pitch one region against another, but you know I'm pitching one country against another now. But the UK, uh, uh, the, <laughs> I don't think they would necessarily do this in, in America as well. But yeah, I mean American agent numbers, um, I think across the board, across all what they would call brokerages, are kind of plateauing. Um, I think EXP is performing ahead. I don't really know the numbers exactly, but I'd have to look at it. But last time I went over there last year. I think they were EXP were performing ahead of the market in terms of agents joining, whereas most other brokers are losing agents. Uh, we're gaining agents, not at the rate we were three or four years ago, but to keep up that level of growth was was you know impossible basically. Um, and and I think in terms of us, you know, agent number wise, we're nowhere near the biggest in the world. Um, you know, the US, Canada, India, uh, Mexico, South Africa, and, and a few others are way ahead of us. Um, but in terms of listings and sales per head of agent, we are best performing country in the world, from what I understand. Um, now that for me is because of um, it's because of the way we're brought up as estate agencies to deal with volume. Whereas any other every other country in the world, they like to sell six or seven and maybe eight to ten houses a month a year, sorry, and that's it. Whereas you got someone like Mark here on the call who's selling, you know, six to eight a month. Oh dear. Uh, oh dear. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And we're, we're over in other countries, it's commonplace to be selling six or eight a year, you know, literally six to eight to ten a year. Um, so I think we've been brought up in a certain way. The whole this this narrative of, of the UK folk not being entrepreneurs, I just don't buy into at all. You know, um, what was that? We're a nation of shopkeepers is something I, I read once or heard once upon a time many years ago. And, and that's essentially having your own business as a shopkeeper. Um, but then you just got to look at all the tradespeople. You know, it's uh, my best mate's a plumber. You know, another good mate of mine's a, a joiner. Um, you know, these are all self-employed guys and girls who, who are out there running their own business. And the only place that hasn't evolved into that is estate agency, really. You know, when you think about it, um, if you think of a non-professional service, although I do sell ourselves as professionals, um, but we are individuals. People buy from us. They're not buying from the brand, just like they're buying from my mate, Andrew, the plumber. You know, it doesn't matter what his brand says. No one cares what his brand is. They use Andrew the plumber, just like in in EXP world, they're using Mark the estate agent or Andrew the estate agent or Adam the estate agent. They're not using EXP. And I just think that we've we've been blinded by that over the last 50, 100 years, whatever it is in the estate agency, where the brands have been telling us that they're the important factor in your success. And actually, it's nothing to do with the brand. It's down to the individual. Which then allows that sort of self-employed entrepreneurial spirit shine through and come forward and, and that's what obviously we're seeing at XP. 
Okay. We just don't need to look at the like self-employed state agents in the UK on the whole. That like all the different models are seeing kind of some form of growth, and the, the agent numbers of people coming becoming self-employed is growing, um, and it's given people that, that kind of opportunity. But I mean, I've I've sold. I've got one client. I've sold three houses for them, and every time I, I, I was working somewhere else, so every time it was different fees, different setup. But they've always come to me because it's me that they, they trust to sell the house. Um, and I think that is why, especially with, with social media, the way that like you can you can show your own personality and things like that. That's I think that's one of the, the reasons why the self-employed agents are becoming more like not becoming successful, but obviously more lovers and growing. Yeah, well that's the proof, isn't it? I know it's anecdotal, but that's the proof. You know, I I when I before EXP came along, I was about to start another business. And um, my uh, lady called Anne, well, obviously I won't give you her surname, but she was an old client of mine at Hatched and she was an old client of mine at Country Properties. So I thought she'd moved from Country Properties to Hatched because we were cheap. And then when I started up the next business, which was before EXP, that was going to be a high fee business. Anne came back to me and she didn't care that the fees were 10 times more expensive because they genuinely were 10 times, 10, 20, maybe even 20 times more expensive than the new business was the plan. Um, she didn't care. She just said, Adam, I trust you. I've been using you since 1998 because it's you, not because of country properties or Hatched or the next business, because you're the one that I, that I trust. And um, again, we've, we've, we've completely been blinded by the, by, the, by the brands telling us that it's all about the brand. Um, and actually, it's nothing to do with the brand. I think the other thing as well, you've summed up kind of, you know, I don't want to dig out other models, but, you know, you said that other models are growing. They're, they're growing through bringing on people who've never done estate or anything before. And, I think that's a problem for those individuals that are joining those models because they're not trusted. They've never sold a house before. They don't. They can't show that that track record and that that trust and that history. And so I think the two years experience thing for us, um, albeit I think there's a way to do it with no people with no experience. There's definitely a way to do it. Um, I just think that two years experience is is critical and fundamental in in our growth and our growth beyond anyone else who who also started at the same time. Some of them started before. Some of them just after. And yet we've gone like that and everyone else has kind of just potted along which is fine and they'll all now claim that they want to potter along and they want a small bespoke business um they didn't four years ago when they first started out they wanted big businesses and that two years experience was the fundamental decision that has helped us to grow to that sort of level because as i say it's the customer that uses those individual agents to then you know sell their next house because they trust them like you say. Uh, what um obviously you you're at the sharp end of uh, sort of running or shift but obviously we get lots of agents getting in touch i mean what would you what would be the three kind of tips you would give any agent starting out you know in that self-employed journey there's certain things you always ask them isn't there how many houses have you would you have you listed through your previous agent in the last month how many came directly through you but more importantly where do you think like the, the main wins are for people setting up on their own the three kind of most important things in terms of sort of lead generating or just getting yeah, up and running? Yeah, yeah, getting up and running and sort of lead generally. Yeah, um, so I think I think just, just before I tackle that one, I think that you know you are well prepared to do this if you walk down to your local supermarket and you get stopped in the street at least five times by someone saying, how's the market? You know, if, you're, if you walk through your town centre and someone says, oh, Adam, how's the housing market? You, you are in a position to do this because you're well known you're well liked, you're trusted. If someone's asking you what the housing market's like, they trust you straight away. Um, 
Now, I don't get asked that anymore because I've not sold a house in Hitchin for eight years. So I'm, I'm a forgotten man in Hitchin. So I would struggle, I think. Um, although I, well, I, w- I wouldn't. I'd be fine. I'd know exactly what to do. Um, but if you are of that mindset, if you're listening to this podcast or watching it, and you are that person that walks through the street and you're being asked four or five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, how's the housing market? You should not be working for someone else and making them money. You should be working for yourself and making yourself money. But anyway, because that's the first thing is using your network. I think the second thing you've got to have, you, you do have to have a certain mindset. I don't think you have to have that inbred and born with you. I think you can create that mindset. I genuinely do think you can create that mindset. And that is one of being mega consistent. Um, it's just consistency and, and having a bit of a long-term mindset. This is partly why we've got um, Steve Backley and Roger Black involved in the business because they've got that Olympic mindset, that four-year mindset. Um, I'm not saying you need a four-year mindset, but you need a nine to 12-month mindset, I think, don't you? I think that was really important for, for both of you guys when you first started up. Yeah. Which, you know, four or five months in, you're phoning me up going, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm jacking this in. It's not working for me. And I'm having to have pep talks with you. I can't remember if I did that with you guys, actually. I think you were pretty okay. But, but a lot of people go through that and that consistency and trusting the process. Um, so I think consistency mindset and hard work it's actually none of the tangible things like the letters and the social media and the door knocking and that but those three elements of of having that consistency having that mindset and trusting the process will be will set you on the right path for sure it all comes down to the individual really doesn't their their own personal traits and i suppose that's then how they they apply themselves because like it's all it's all good and well known the best lead gen strategy but if you're not consistent and you don't focus on just getting into that routine and doing what needs to be done daily, then that is where obviously the issues come from if they're not doing that. So yeah, well, we start we started off in the early days just saying to people, send letters, knock on doors, do social media. But then and, and that worked. That definitely worked. But we now send a video out, um a welcome video from me that says you need three things. You need relentless consistency, you need hard work, and you need to trust the process. Mm-hmm. Um and as long as people are doing that, actually, the problem is when you say send letters out, everyone sends out 300 letters and they don't send any more letters ever again. Or they'll do one post on social media and not do it again. And then they'll turn around two months later and go, well, I did social media. So you, you, you told me to do social media. I did. And then it didn't work. I'm like, the last time you posted something was two months ago. That's why it's not worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, it's actually, we've evolved and as we've learned, it's mindset and attitude rather than, rather than those physical letters or doors that you're not. It's been really important to understand that as well. So, so just on that one, what have you? What is the kind of percentage of agents that join EXP then that then leave? And then what do you think is the reason why they kind of they kind of leave? Is it lack of those three things? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's as simple as that. It's, it's I think there's a lot of people who um, press the button too early to leave. Um, so you know, churn is probably. I always say to people that a third absolutely smash it out of the park, you know, and, and earn more than they've ever earned in their lives and completely change their lives. A third will do the same or a little bit more than what they used to do on the high street, but they'll have a lot more time with friends and family and, and doing things they love doing, playing golf and going on holiday and whatever. And a third probably fall off roughly. A third probably struggle and, and fall off. So, that, that seems to be a mere about right. I don't know the exact numbers, and it's always very difficult to calculate because the problem with the state agency in the UK is it takes five months for a house sale to go through. Um, with a lag of you know, someone joining today, you know, we have, we've had 100 agents join in the last three months, let's just 
and you know those hundred those hundred, not a single one of those hundred agents has banked a penny yet. Um, so that that it's really difficult to do the numbers on that. When we did do a bit of research on it about a year or two, maybe eighteen months ago, we found that of the agents who left, seventy percent of the agents who left left within the first five months of joining, and that just shows to me a degree of um, not being consistent, not trusting the process and not working hard enough because mm. if they trust in the process, probably being the main one, you know, because if they just got over to that seven or eight month point, that's when you start seeing that consistent level of phone calls, that consistent responses to your letters, the referrals coming in, your first check coming in, your first banking coming in. Um, and I just, I, 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 it really concerns me, concerns me, makes me worried, nervous. I don't know what the word is, but upset. That those people have left because I think they'll regret that for the rest of their lives. I think if they'd have just gone through another two or three months, they would see that, that light at the end of the tunnel. And it, but because it, it is a dark place in month four or five, isn't it? I mean, it's it's horrible. We were there. We, me and Mark were there. I can remember us. We joined roughly in the September, and I can remember us having conversations in December and January to say, I'm "Not sure this is going to work. I'm going to have to start looking for something else." Um, and I think absolutely, I think there is an element of grind at the front end. But the rewards that you get at the back end are absolutely incredible. Don't get me wrong, this isn't a walk in the park job. You know, you're not earning six figures for nothing. You know, you're not just floating around all the time. There's an element where you've got to get your hands dirty, you've got to work out. The rewards are fantastic. Um, if you can try and, the main thing I kind of struggle with is trying to find out the balance. Um, Mark's obviously got a better balance now because he's gone down the, the team route because uh, that was right for his business. But I think the longevity thing is something we probably, as a company, we want to maybe look at. And I'm sure you're looking at it, but it's some of these agents go absolutely banzai for 12 months, 18 months, completely burn themselves out. And then they don't want to do agency. And I've kind of been on that cycle. So it's trying to sort of have a little bit more longevity with people because this is something I want to do and hope to do for at least another five or 10 years uh, in the current form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, agree. So. I know you like uh, you like all your figures and looking at like all the stats and stuff like that. With looking at how the market's kind of been sort of recently, what how do you think it's going to be for the rest of the year? What's your predictions? Well, um, I mean, again, making predictions. I, I've learned my lesson many a time in previous roles, and and even standing up in front of you guys in the road shows in twenty twenty two. I think I predicted that the market would fall out of its arse in 2023, and it didn't. I mean, we had a tough 2023. It was more more difficult, but it didn't fall out of its arse. Um, I think, I mean, we, we've seen January, well, since around October time, we've seen it take off again. It's been crazy, October 2023. Um, it's been, you know, the, the, the sales ratio from instruction to sale has been higher. The viewings per sale has been high. You know, I love a viewings per sale statistic. That's what I look at as a, as a sentiment for activity in the market at, at, at the coalface, you know, how many people are out there viewing, but how many of those viewers are actually buying houses. It's all well and good seeing viewers out there, but if they're not buying houses, that's that's no good. Um, January started off very, very quickly. I mean, I saw a report today that there's 80%, um, or, or no, I didn't see a report today. We've done a report internally actually showing that about 80% more instructions in the first four weeks in January than, than the last four with the, the first four weeks in last January. Um, and that's good and bad um, because it's good because if there's enough buyers to buy those properties, but it's bad if there's not enough buyers to buy those properties. And 
an oversupply and under demand is going to is going to hurt the market. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that in come March with the budget, I think the Conservatives are going to have to pull some sort of rabbit or a few rabbits out of the hat to really boost again sentiment. Not even the economy, the sentiment. You know, because they are going to get an absolute kick in the general election later this year, and the only way they're going to not get a kicking uh, is by giving loads of money away and incentivizing people to, you know, buy more, buy houses or whatever that might be. And we have got no idea what that looks like. But I just think that there's going to be a bumper budget in March, which is going to benefit a lot of people. I can't see them doing anything other than they've got to do that, have any chance of staying in or even maintaining a, a, a you know, a minority, whatever. I'm not a politics man, but, you know, to, to keep up with the Labour Party. Um, so I think that that might fuel more and more, more of a bonanza this year, personally, is what I think. I don't think they can do anything with stamp duty or anything like that, but you never know. They might pull a rabbit out of the hat that does do that. Um, could be could be interesting so so yeah i think it's going to be a i think it's going to be a busy year basically yeah. that's my prediction yeah for sure i mean like uh politics aside and things without that can affect the market but i like so what, what i've seen so far so in like the start of february so there's more properties coming on like as you said you could end up with oversupply and under demand but i've got a lot of like offers coming through as well so i i think we are going through a really good year and a more positive year than last year um, and with the base rate staying as it has been since August, potentially going to look and I've looked at soon reports that that's potentially on the, the verge of getting being reduced. So I think price, house prices might actually kind of creep up a little bit from where they were last year as well. Yeah, wouldn't just, don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, just the activity out there. I think the fact that I mean there will be a pause, uh, sort of two months leading up to the election. So when's that due to be? Is it December or something? Is it? I mean, if they I call think it. It's going to be the end yeah back end yeah. of the year isn't it there's usually a slowdown in the market but if that election is november time december time there's a slowdown in the market anyway so actually it could be a really good thing but you know it's not we're not going to see because usually what happens is the elections in may and so you see a slow april and early may and you think for god's sake do the election later in the year when it would have slowed down anyway um so that could be a good thing as well for the market is that that is later on in the year yeah so um yeah any other questions, Mark, or not? Anything no. really pressing you want to ask him and put him on the spot? <laughs> no, I'm good. I want to ask him one final question, if that's okay. Um, what's your routine, Adam? Come on. How's it, how's it looking in the day household? What does a normal Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday look like? What makes you tick? What do you do to let off a bit of steam? You can't work 16 hours a day every day. Uh, what what do you do? What are your hobbies? Are you a, I think you're a cold shower man. Um, I don't you don't like a cold plunge man. I'm I'm sorry to say that, but um, I'm not sure you've got a Lumi therapy cold plunge at home. I bet you've got a sauna um, and you're maxing out in there. And you go in the Nordic style as well with um, uh, all naked, no clothes on. So give us give us an give us an overview. Come on, tell us a bit about you. Come on, not not no more estate agency stuff. Uh, it's really terrible. I mean, honestly, it is terrible. I I I wake up at about seven thirty six. Weirdly, it's weird how your body clock works, isn't it? I wake up, look at my clock. I don't set my alarm. It always says seven thirty six when I wake up. So wake up at seven thirty. I don't. I'm not one of these that wakes up early and gets stuff done. I'm really not. I wake up. I roll out of bed about quarter past eight. Send my daughter off to school. 
Um, sun goes about a quarter of an hour later at half eight. Um, then, like you say, I'll have a cold shower um, and not not fully cold. It's warm to start with. And then I go cold for about two and a half minutes. I don't have a cold plunge before you're right. I'd like to get one at some point in the future. And then when I work at nine. I'll, I'll, I'm, my diary's full every day, pretty much. So I'm really bad at sort of going for a walk and exercising or having lunch even. So I tend to skip lunch. I'm a bit of a faster. I did a 72-hour fast at the start of the year, actually. Uh, it's supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be really good for you, isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I've felt any benefit, but maybe internally there's some benefit there. Um, but, um, but yeah, and I, 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 I just work until five, and then five thirty, and then most evenings I've got football with my son. So Monday evenings I've football training. I'm, I'm a coach of the coach of the under 10s um hang on hang so on I, wait 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 how how do they get on come on what's your football coach we've had a skills? bit of an up and down season this season yeah we we've we just lost at the weekend we lost 3-0 but we lost to a team who beat us 7-0 in september so we've we're improving right. i only i only took the reins in in august so uh, along with an, another manager so i think hopefully that the improvement is starting to to shine through but i'm pretty hard on them i'm a, i'm a pretty hard taskmaster on the 10 year olds it's um I can't lie. It's yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty tough on them. Um, but that's Mondays, and then Wednesday I play pool for a pool team every Wednesday. So that's just my, just my let off steam. Uh, and then the weekends again, more football with the son, uh, watching football on the telly. I'm a Tottenham fan, um, and then cooking Indian food from scratch. That's my, uh, that's my, that's my go-to. Um, and the kids always insist on a Sunday roast as well. So I'm, I'm a bit of a chef at heart. I love. I love cooking and, and that, that, that's weird, isn't it? That's the one thing that probably makes me forget about everything. I forget everything when I'm cooking. That's, that's my, my main release, I would say, um, yeah, from, from the world of work and, and thinking about the market and thinking about how do we grow XP and thinking about how do we support agents more. And when I'm cooking, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. That's my main thing to do, really. And uh, Look at Adam. I think you can probably tell when you look at him. But he's a he's a rosé man. Uh, I think he likes a bottle of rosé on a Sunday afternoon. You're still on that English rosé, um, yeah, from Adam, yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 cutting down because it's just it's too nice. But and I'll get my way. But yeah, Chapel Down English rosé is quite, and it's the price has gone up as well. It was about twelve quid a bottle. It's now fifteen, sixteen quid a bottle. So I'm that's, I'm tempering that's not going to trouble you. That's not going to yeah. trouble you. Well, I'm still, I'm still a, you know, I'm still a, a tight heart at heart, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, um, so yesterday, just quickly, I'm guessing you were, you were, you were having a couple of roses watching the uh, Arsenal Liverpool match. Doing a, a roast beef roast dinner, yes, with homemade. That sounds like you. my Sunday. Yeah. Happy days. Exactly. Well, so. It was a good Sunday. Yeah. Enjoyed yeah. It. So. Um, by the way, just uh, on that note, I'm um, I run my daughter's under sixteen uh, football club, uh, so I'm the coach there. Shocking, I'm terrible. Um, oh, yeah. I think <laughs> I think we've won two games all season. Um, yeah. We just got beaten. We went over to Allerdale on the away markers yesterday, um, and we got beat three-one over there. So yeah, um, I won't be asking you for any tips. You're not instilling a lot of confidence on your football coaching <laughs> credentials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so no um, it's frustrating though isn't it it's frustrating um, it ruins my it can ruin a, a, an entire weekend yeah 
and, and the WhatsApp messages around the team is probably harder than your actual day job sometimes organizing who's playing and the politics and leaving so and so out and then playing but um yeah so on that happy bright note um honestly adam i know genuinely how busy you are mark as well so thanks so much for coming on today i've really enjoyed it um i'd like to have asked a few more personal ones but i think we've got enough out of you there um and thanks so much for coming on the podcast and uh, over to you mark yeah, thanks very much, Adam. I, I do really appreciate it because I know how busy your schedule is. You're taking time out with us too is really appreciated. Um, no, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to, to talk to you guys. I haven't seen, haven't seen enough of you actually, so um, especially you, Andrew. Mark, Mark came to Vegas last year, so I, I got my fill of Mark last year. But um, but yeah, no, it's been, been a, it's been a good half an hour or so, so I've enjoyed it. Good okay. stuff. And uh, Mark's, Mark's hiring the uh, private jet. I believe for the next trip over to America. Oh, well, right. there'll be nothing. Yeah. There. There'll, be, there'll be nothing for Mark. The money he's he's earning. So yeah, thanks so much, guys, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Brilliant. Thanks, awesome. thanks right. very much. Take it Good easy. Day. Cheers, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye.